0: In chapter 26, we come to the end of Leviticus. Leviticus is a legal document. Leviticus is a legal document. In the ancient world, all legal documents or covenants ended with cursings and blessings. And every document, kind of like our documents. Well... Here's the blessings. If you pay your monthly payments on your mortgage, then you get to live in your house. And gradually over time, the payments will decrease. And interest will decrease. And eventually your escrow will go away. And you won't have to pay your insurance and all that kind of stuff. The curse is, if you don't make your monthly payments, we will literally kick you out of your house. And we will take it from you and you will be on the street. Every document has the blessings and the cursings. And so Leviticus ends in the same way. Cursings and blessings. Now, if you think this is harsh, just wait till we get to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is just downright scary when you get to the end. Um, That would make you want to obey. So he begins with these legal curses and blessings. And the blessings are always briefer than the curses. And the blessings are more general. And God is not saying like, ah, oh, because I'm all about curses. Because if you think God is all about curses, then you really haven't been paying attention for the last three books. Um, where God had every right to keep killing them and killing them and killing them, and he doesn't, and all Moses has to say is, please forgive him. God's like, oh, okay. Right? And that might have actually sound bad, the tone, but <laughs> um, he wants to. The reason the blessings are more general is because the blessings are kind of like understood. And we know what the blessings are. Why do the curses become more specific? Because that becomes the warning. See, here's what's really messed up about us. Most of the time, what motivates us is not blessings and rewards. Most of the time, what bless- motivates us is the consequences. Most of the people, like, if you, you, you talk about a positive sense... People are like, oh, okay, whatever. And they'll do it. But then if you, like, you're like, you going to pay $200 if you get caught speeding, People, are, and then they actually get caught and they have to pay that $200, they're like, oh, maybe I should stop speeding. <laughs> Nobody thinks like, oh, but if I don't speed, I get to keep my driver's license, right? Most of the time we think if I speed, I have to pay a ticket. And most of us don't think like, oh, I have a really great relationship if I do these positive things. Most of us think, oh, if I do a bad thing, I'm going to get spanked or go to timeout. We don't think like, oh, I'm going to have a really great dinner with my parents and hang out with them. We're going to laugh. And that's the blessing of obedience. We don't think that way. We think if I don't obey, I'm going to get spanked. I'm going to be a timeout. I'm going to be grounded. We don't think. We're not really motivated by rewards. I do really believe that rewards should be the primary motivation, but most of the time it's consequences And so this is why God really spins, because a lot of times we think, oh, that won't happen to me. I won't get caught. That only happens to stupid people. (laughs) Okay? I'm more intelligent than that. I don't care how many people dare brings up. I'm different. But if it really is put in your face, that's a little different. And so the reality is, we need the consequences. So God... Starts with the blessings. In verses 1 through 13, he basically highlights a few things and basically says, If you obey me, then I will bring rain to the land. Because they can control a lot of things, but they cannot control the rain. And Israel only gets about three months of rain, and that's all the rain for the entire year, which means they are absolutely completely dependent on rain. Even today, if we don't get rain, we're going to suffer. When I first moved to Dallas, Texas, they had gone like 110 days without rain. And they were actually shutting off water to people's houses. And they were actually finding people several thousand dollars if they like if they they were driving through the neighborhoods looking for sprinklers. Some people actually thought that they still needed a green lawn. Okay, it was crazy. In modern day society with all of our technology and all of our abundance, so much abundance that you and I never think about what if there's no water that comes out of that faucet when we open it up. And even today in our modern day society, they had gone so long without rain, there was a question of whether there was actually going to be water coming out of that faucet the next day. And so rain is absolutely essential no matter what time period we are. We just happen to be lucky to live in a part of the world that has a lot of rain. But Israel doesn't. And so God says, I don't care what the environment is like. I don't care what, how this normally works. If you obey me, you're going to get lots of rain. I will bend the weather system to give you rain. And when that rain comes, then you will have crops. And so those are the two things, light, food. This is the thing that we want more than anything, food, stay alive. And I will give that to you. The second thing that he emphasizes here is you you'll have peace. You'll have peace in the sense of peace from your enemies attacking you, peace internally from you guys attacking each other, no civil wars, no major conflicts with each other. There will be peace in the land. Things will go well for you. There will be no war. And the next one is I will dwell with you. And I will actually dwell with you. I will stay with you. And I will bless you. I will become your shield. I will become your protection. You have to realize that that covers a lot of things. There are only three things that we really desire in life. And everything that we do, everything that we think, every choice that we make is trying to fulfill these three things. And the first one is we want to be loved and accepted. We want to know that we're loved and accepted. And most of our decisions and most of the things that we do, negative and positive things, is about getting people to accept us. The way we dress, the way we take care of ourselves, where we go. The second thing that we want more than anything is to feel safe and secure. We want to know that nothing bad is going to happen to us. And whether that's emotional safety, physical safety, financial safety. We want to feel safe and secure. And the third thing is we want to have a meaning and a purpose in life. We want to have a meaning and purpose Everything we think and everything we do is about those three things. And what God says is, I will give you rain, and I will give you crops, and I will give you peace, and I will dwell with you. Well, crops means healthy families and food, and then safety. And in God dwelling with you is love and acceptance, and peace from your enemies is safety and security. And then if God is with you, then the implication is then that you're getting the three blessings of the Mosaic covenant from chapter 19 of Exodus of I will make you a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, and that's your meaning and purpose in life. And so what God is saying is here's your blessings. If you obey me, I will make sure that your three most basic needs are taken care of. You will feel safe and secure physically and health and from your own enemies and among your own people in the land. You'll feel loved and accepted by me. And because you're all healthy, you're going to be more likely to love and accept each other. And because you're obeying me, you're going to be loving and accepting each other because most of obedience is loving your neighbor. And then you'll have a meaning and purpose in life because I'll be with you and you'll be doing what I want you to do because you're being obedient. And that's being a royal priesthood in a holy nation. I'll meet all your needs, just like in the garden. I'll meet your needs. And that's what God's promising. Now, he also promises them long life in the land and health and wealth and prosperity. Like, oh, wait a minute, that's <laughs> not right. That's what he says, though. But here's what they miss, the TV evangelist. It says, God has promised you health, wealth, and prosperity. And the name it claim it, and they go to these verses in the first testament. And they're like, see, it's right there. God is not promising this to individuals; He's promising it to them corporately. We sing as as a nation, "You will be healthy and wealthy and prosperous and safe and secure and stuff." But that doesn't mean nothing bad will ever happen to individuals. Well, God isn't because God not going to suspend the curse of sin. And the fall. Because then that might make you think that obedience can take all that away. What he's saying is, corporately, as a nation, you're going to experience this. Now, does God promise a certain amount of blessings and protection to the individual believers? Yes. But does He promise that nothing bad will ever happen to you? No. But we can handle bad things happening to us a lot better if we live in a nation that is extremely healthy, (laughs) extremely obedient, and God is dwelling with us. The problem is when bad things happen to us and our lawyers and our doctors and all of them are corrupt and our institutions are corrupt and our government's corrupt, right? Because they're not obeying. And the problem is we actually don't fear so much the bad things are going to happen to us, but mostly what's going to happen to the nation. Because we know that like if my nation begins to fall apart, then there is no hope for me individually. But if my nation is being blessed by God, then there are places I can go spiritually and physically for help when the individual things happen to me. And so God is not promising individual blessings like this. He's promising corporately so that when they disobeyed, corporately they went into exile. But notice that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Ezra, or sorry, um, Ezekiel, And Jeremiah were all incredibly obedient to God, but they were taken off into exile with the nation because God thinks corporately. Then he gets to the curses. He goes through five stages. Now, in general, with the blessings, what's interesting with the blessings, is God says, I will give you all these. It's not like if you're obedient, then I'll give you a little bit of this. And if you're obedient, I'll give you a little bit of this. And you got to be like obedient like for three years before you get that third category taken care of. He just says, if you're obedient, I'll give you all. All of it is yours, instantaneously. But the curses come in stages. If you're disobedient, the first stage comes. If you continue to be disobedient, then the thir- second stage. If you continue, then the third. So he gradually increases it. Kind of like, if you disobey me, I'm going to ground you. If you disobey me and keep continuing, I'm going to ground you longer. Then I'm going to take some things away. You're not going to go places. We, we discipline that way too. We gradually increase over time. So the first stage is that they're going to have disease in the land and a lack of crop abundance. So the first thing that's going to happen is you're just going to have famines. Your crops aren't going to produce like they used to. The rain's not going to quite be as plentiful. Nothing that's going to seriously like destroy your life, but it is going to make your life more challenging, and more difficult. And it's going to be hopefully enough to wake you up and realize, wow, life is not as good as what it used to be a couple years ago. We didn't have famines and the rain was pretty abundant and now we're going through these famines and now we have rain. Maybe we're not right as a nation. Maybe we should take that Day of Atonement a little bit more seriously and the Feast of Trumpets a little bit more seriously. And you get right with God because this matters to you and then all of a sudden the next year there's no famine and the rains come back and everything's good. That's the point. But... For those who are thick-headed, they say, "This is your fault, God, like the people in the wilderness, and this isn't right, or I'm just going to keep trying, and eventually I'll get it, I'll, I'll find a way. If those rains don't come, I'll find a way." And so the second stage comes in and says that the land will be completely barren now. Your, your land will just be completely barren, and there will be no crops whatsoever, which leads to a whole bunch of series of other issues. If they continue to be disobedient, then the third stage is the death of their cattle and their children. And a lot of this can be just natural. I mean, if your land is not producing any crops, then you're not going to have food for your animals and your children. And then there's going to be disease as people begin to die, and that's going to produce more death. And so a lot of this is just a chain effect that God is saying. Because what God is basically saying is, I'm stepping away from your nation. And when I step away, I'm sending the rains. And when the rain stop coming, there's not food. And when food doesn't come, then all of this just starts happening. Creation just takes its toll. If they continue to be disobedient, then the fourth stage is that there will be war and plagues. Enemies will invade them and begin to attack them. And if they continue to be disobeyed, then there will be deportation, exile. They'll be completely removed from the land. And as the prophets say, they will be vomited out of the land. Now, you have to understand something, that this isn't just for Israel. This is for every nation, because the entire world is God's. And if any people group are not obedient to God, then all these stages will begin to happen. Well, how do we know that? Because that's what he did to the Canaanites. He didn't have an official covenant with the Canaanites. But gradually over time, you can look at Canaanite history and you'll see these things gradually begin to happen until eventually they are vomited out of the land through the conquest of Joshua and the judges. How else do you know this? When you go to the prophets, the prophets look at Edom and Moab and the Amorites and they say that, oh, don't look at Israel and act like they're the ones getting punished because it's their God punishing them for their sins. He's your God too. And he's holding you to the same standard that he does his own people. And when the Assyrians come, they're going to come for you too. Because you have violated this covenant just as much as anybody else has. And God makes it very clear in the prophets, this cursing and blessing is true for every single people group in every land all throughout history. And we can see that. Maybe it's not about a lack of rain and a lack of crops being produced in America as we become more and more disobedient. But what have we begun to see in America? Economic collapses, the housing industry going under. We've had depressions in the past, and now we're starting to see the enemy is actually very, very much more real in our country than it ever used to be. Like in our borders, 9 11. Now, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not a pro- I am not saying that 9-11 is a judgment against God, or from God. And I'm not saying for specific sins. The Pat whatever from 700 Club overstepped his boundaries there. But what I can say is that in general, God has said, yeah. Because when the tower fell down on a bunch of Jews and killed them in the Gospels, and the Jews came to Jesus and said, Jesus, 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 did this tower come down because God brought the tower down and to punish him for sins? And if, if, if so, what sins? And Jesus says, that's not the issue. You should actually be surprised that this stuff isn't happening more often. And the point that God is saying is that every act of catastrophe is a judgment from God. Because every act of catastrophe is a result of just sin being in the world. And I don't mean like God is making it happen as a judgment. But it just happens because there's sin in the world. And when it doesn't happen, it's because God is blessing us. And so when you start seeing these happen more and more and more and more and more, I don't think we should go the 700 Club route and say this is for specific sins and God specifically made this happen. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But what I can say is that this stuff is happening because there is sin in the world. And in... And we might be seeing it more and more and more because sin is increasing more and more in our nation, and that's not that's not I don't need prophecy for that that's just common sense logic. The more and more people sin, the more and more consequences there are going to be, whether God's in the picture or not and that's what God is just saying here. Look the more and more and more you sin, not only am I going to actively step aside and not bless you anymore, but logically. Sin will always lead to death and consequences because sin is not loving God and not loving others. And when you don't love people, then things begin to fall apart. And so in some ways, yes. What is happening in America is judgment from God. Is it active, intentional judgments that God has brought? Or is it just the natural consequences of the way that God designed the world to have judgments that come as a result of sin? I don't know. Is it a little bit of both? Probably But I'm not going to stand here and point to specific events and say, that was definitely God for this specific sin. But I also can't in ignorance say, but none of this is a judgment from God. And none of this is a result of sin. Because it all is. And so if you start seeing this stuff happening more and more and more in America, then logically it should just say to you that we're becoming more and more sinful and less, less, more of God. And And it's not God bless America. It's when my people get on their knees and confess their sins and come back to me, then I will heal their nation. We have no covenant with God where he has to do something for us because we're the chosen people of America. What we have is just a general promise from God that if you walk with him, he'll walk with you. And you shouldn't be trying to ignite a revival. You shouldn't be hoping for this blessings of God. You should be leading your communities in repentance. And if you take the Day of Atonement and all these seriously, then I don't care whether you voted for that president or not. I don't care whether we specifically committed that sin or not. We're kind of all guilty in some way or fashion as a community. In some ways, we should all say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I might have contributed this because I was too busy watching movies or television all the time. Or I thought that this wasn't my problem. Or I thought, how in the world could I ever make a difference? I'm sorry for that. That's my repentance maybe. That maybe I could have done something if I was in the right place at the right time because I was obeying God. I don't know. The only person can answer that is the Holy Spirit as you pray. And so in this sense, don't go, and this is really important too, don't go like through everything that you're seeing on the news and like say, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God. You ask the Holy Spirit to tell you what you need to repent of. You always ask the Holy Spirit. You don't just go and say, oh, I guess I should feel guilty for this. You always ask the Holy Spirit to say, you tell me what I need to repent of. You expose my sins of ignorance. Because only you know that. So I'm not trying to make you feel guilty and watch the news and just start saying, I'm sorry, God, for everything. I'm saying, just realize that there's a lot of things that we might be doing that we we're ignorant of. And God is asking us to say, what do you want me to confess, God? What do you want me to the same thing in a marriage. You can think of a 50 million things of probably how you've hurt your spouse, and maybe half of them, they didn't even know that you even did it. Or you can pray the Holy Spirit and say, what is it specifically that I have done that is actually affecting my spouse that really seriously needs to be confessed? And that would be far more beneficial. And so God is calling you, and these are the warnings, these are the curses. And so this is how he ends Leviticus. If you obey me, it will go well with you in the land. And if you don't, then what do you expect when you hurt God and hurt people and hurt the land? Period. And we all bear a certain responsibility to a certain degree.